Thank you so much for this talk. Okay. Um, I thought I'd dare reciprocate with a with a, a joke that was passed on to me, which I I don't think was a joke, uh-huh. and so it could have originated in reality, but it doesn't matter. There were two monks passing through a town, and uh, in their travels, they had to uh, stop in a restaurant for their for their daily meal. And they were seated there, and across the restaurant, there were a couple of gentlemen in black suits, white shirts. Probably Irish Mormons, <laughs> <laughs> and they thought, well, here's a, here's an opportunity. Mm-mm. So they marched on over to visit the monks, and they gave their long spiel about their faith tradition and their confidence. And it was followed by a long, awkward silence, and they didn't get any kind of response from the monks. And they said, well, what's wrong? Don't you want to become born again? And they said, no, actually, that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes, exactly. (laughs) Different faith traditions. Different faith traditions. (laughs) Question for the Ajans. Which is your preference, short green rice or long green? (laughs) Sticky. That's most of us who any spent any time in, in Northeast Thailand. That's what the farmers eat, and that's what you get uh, a lot of. Well, Thailand rice is pretty good. Well, it's, well, it's well, all it you get. What, it's all <laughs> all <laughs> yeah. So it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to digest. Yeah, it's hard to digest. Yeah. More or less, you take what you get and you eat it. <laughs> you get through another day. If you eat too much, the afternoon disappears. <laughs> it's good with salted fish, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Salted fish? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's good with rice. Occasionally you get salted fish, yes. <laughs> Perhaps these days there's a variety of rices available to the monks and the <coughs> there. I don't know. Oh, uh, well, Nana Chow very well looked after these days. Uh-huh. You go to visit, and it's quite a spread. Uh, it's not like the old days. The <laughs> 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 privilege of semi starvation. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I was um, just kind of thinking about your your short talk about friends and you know just kind of I've had some conversations here over the last few days of how people's friends have shifted or Mm. how do you do that in a way that's not hurtful I think you did a nice job of kind of saying not judging them you're just shifting yeah you're not judging them you're not shifting them but also you have to be careful not to meet them on their ground. What does that mean? Well, I mean, in the sense that, uh, how do you say, I mean, okay, they want to go off, you know, you know, whatever, drinking or, or, you know, whatever, doing things that you've kind of, yeah, you've just sort of grown past. And uh, that, uh, uh, so that, that's, uh, you know, it's just sort of having those boundaries, but then uh, not 
turning anybody away either. You know, on a, you know, sometimes you say as a uh, as a uh, as a as a monk, of course, then it's very clear. Um, I mean, it's one it's of pretty the, clear. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very support. I mean, yeah. it's very clear. You're doing something very different. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, so that uh, uh, you know, there like there's friends of mine who I still have contact with, and they want to have contact, but they're not totally interested in Buddhism, but uh, but they also want to draw close. And, you know, so uh, you know, so that there, uh, so you can't, you know, somebody who you don't know, then you can really set the bounds clearly. Mm-hmm. Somebody who you do know, then you know, it's a bit more of a dance, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so that that. Uh, um, but again, I say having robes, and it's it's very clear I'm doing something very different. It's not like the old days, uh, but uh, um, but I've been surprised that that you know how many of my friends do want to keep contact, uh, and you know that's forty. Years. I remember I was just in Winnipeg and staying with an old friend of mine. Uh, we grew up together in Nepal and. and uh, uh, and then uh, we were in the city together, and and then I haven't seen him probably for six, seven years, and he's come to Baigiri, him and his wife come two, three times. Uh, I don't get back to Winnipeg very much, because my, my, my parents aren't there anymore, or not in, in, used to go through there to go up to the Paul. Um, but anyway, uh, somebody was. We were talking with somebody, and and we're, and they were saying, "Oh, you've been friends for you know, most of your lives. How do you keep up that friendship?" And and my friend uh, answered immediately, "So oh, we don't keep it up. So it's just but whenever we see each other, it's." It, it it's there, yeah. you know. It's really because it's true. You know, it's not something you have to work at. Um, people are uh, you have an affinity, and they they meet you, you know, sort of where you are. You try to meet them where they are, and somehow you get along. You know, some some friendships are, are like that. Some are based on what you do, and when so then that's a bit. You know, more difficult and tiring to, to, and and you oftentimes not very fruitful to try to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just sort of that that recognition, and there's a certain loss that one feels, uh, uh, and same with family. You know, there's a variety of, of uh, we all have family, but. A lot of them aren't that interested. Uh, I mean, there's exceptions. Mentioning um, young people's parents. You know. See, his parents are very interested in Dhamma, uh, meditate, 
read Dhamma books. Sister is very supportive. And she just had a child, so she she wanted him to be up there to see the new baby, and give a blessing. That <coughs> so. On that subject, years ago, Major Sorai, remember saying to you, sometimes people find out they're following the Jewish tradition and they're curious. They're not, they're, you know, some level or something, they genuinely want to know what it is they're doing. And I, I remember kind of saying to you, I'm looking for something to explain to them in one or two minutes. And I think your answer was, when I find out, let you know. It's a difficult thing to, to say to people, you know, when they sincerely want to know it, and you have no precise way of explaining it. Yes. <laughs> Tricky. Yeah, it is. Often let better to let them fish for it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? It's often better to let them fish for it. Okay, fish for yeah. it. No. Yeah. yeah, it's also like responding to them rather than trying too hard to make people understand. Yes. Um, let them take the initiative is what you're yeah. saying. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is one thing I learned is you don't say it's about suffering to the causes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is interesting. I had a, a Orthodox rabbi uh, come and stay at the monastery for oh, he must have been there for a week or more. <coughs> yeah, ten days maybe. And I was really like I've never, I've known Jewish, I have Jewish friends and stuff, but never the Orthodox community, especially an Orthodox rabbi. He had found his way to meditation on his own, and then found it. He'd found an essay I'd written on 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 kind of characteristics of of, of jhana and so forth online, and he had then got in contact with me. And he was very interested in this. So uh, we skyped a few times, and uh, it, it's and he's interested in something called pre-faith, pre-faith. He says. That instead of interfaith or multi-faith, there's a kind of a thing that humans are before faith, that you are just something, we have a lot of things in common before anything, and especially in silence. But, you know, I, I had no idea how this would work, but it, <laughs> it worked quite beautifully. And he was, we were just exploring... Uh, this the beautiful experiences of the mind and some of it has been lost in that tradition and, and he's looking to recover it actually through Buddhism you know, traditions lose things from time to time Buddhism loses things from time to time it has to be recovered would it be fair to say that his notion of pre-faith is somewhat akin to you heard talked about his uh, Primordial knowledge or primordial consciousness or chitta. Yeah, something like Habasara. We've got sort of the Buddha talks about this: uh, the mind, when when unharassed, returns to this state of luminosity or 
well, joy and ease are sort of uh, primary uh, default mode. And people encounter it in different traditions, their own luminous mind, and moments when you're not being harassed by your mind, usually, by your own mind. <laughs> Self-harassment. When you stop doing that, people have luminous moments. And that's not nothing to do with your particular religious condition, but it's it has such impact on you. Thank you. You do that, get that question not infrequently. It's like, can I? How? You know, I'm trying to tell my friends about Buddhism or my family. How can I say it in just a few words? <laughs> summarize it. Somehow, the essence. I was approached by a, a man a few years ago. His grandfather was dying, and he wanted to know whether I thought it would be good practicing to sit by his grandfather's bedside and read aloud the Tibetan Book of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? Too? <laughs> uh, I, I asked him first, like, what, what was your grandfather's religious uh, background? Well, it's kind of an indifferent Christian. <laughs> uh, well, does, does he know anything about Buddhism? Um, no, not really. <laughs> oh, no, don't. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> uh, they impose on an old guy dying. Yeah, yeah. No, no cultural connection to that whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> when I was ordaining Rajan Jai Saro, I just finished that book. Within the bottle, whatever. Oh, right, right. right. That, that yes. was a fabulous book for friends and family. Yes. Yes. What's the name of it? Within, without, is it? Is without, it? yeah, something like that. Without and within, within and without. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a book that he particularly wrote, and it's like series of questions and answers, trying to, you know, people asking quite, you know. Posing the different questions that we tend to get and explaining uh, in a fairly succinct and, and, and simple, straightforward way. And uh, yeah, I think it's very good. And it was, was uh, because he lives all his time in Thailand and he's, he's been grumbling for years that there's no book to give people who come to Thailand. And like when tourists go to hotels to stay in in, in the Bible, yeah, they get Gideon's Bible. Yeah, there's nothing about Buddhism available in in Thailand. So uh, people, other people got on board, and government ministry got on board, and and. Uh, I don't know, they printed huge numbers and uh, uh, yeah, I did uh, pass them out and, and are still, but it's a very well-written book um, with very good um, explanations and perspectives. Um, I'm sure it'll be online as a, uh, as a PDF, EPUB, moving.
you still have that tradition of um, sprinkling people with lustrous waters? So, well, oftentimes if they, I mean, they, yeah, if there's some special occasion and people want to have that. Is this uh, a special occasion today? <laughs> no, no, this is a very ordinary occasion. <laughs> Did you grow up in Thailand? No. no. I usually prefer the rain as much as water. Yes, yes, we got the Davis doing that for us. He requested a talk, and it's like one of these Buddhist principles that applies to everything. Like, just like wait till somebody asks you a question to teach them. Always refer to that early sutta when the Buddha himself hesitates to teach and reluctantly does agree to teach, and that that is a that's. A lesson for all of us is this is not going to be easy to communicate. It's subtle. Many will not understand, but there's a few, and that's why it's worth it. This business of the, um, in your talk, the, the mind being kind of not so reliable and, mm. and, and not so stable, and of course it, it should resonate with us. We, we live in we live in a very fast-paced, aggressive, logical system. Logic inherited, perhaps, from the Aristotelian yeah. Greek tradition, that permeates through our through our science, yeah. uh, in our education system, and uh, and then this is contrasted with how 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 do you feel? How are you feeling about this? Or how how are you yeah. feeling today? Yeah. yeah. And the, the the avenue of the heart, yeah. the perception of the heart. And one wonders with how um, how this word mindfulness is is almost tortured in, in pop popular culture. Mindfulness in business, mindfulness of the bottom line. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so it just one wonders uh, I've got a background as an educator, how we can move from the head to the heart in, in our school systems and our government systems and it's a big rhetorical question, perhaps. Yeah. Well, also, I think it's 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 even because uh, there is. I mean, just the paradigm of there being a head and a heart is already buying into a construct of that is is that we've we assume uh, by our culture and uh, and Indian culture, like the word. Jitta is 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 uh, it, 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 there's not a division between the say the the thought and emotion. It's sort of it's part of one thing, and it's it's all it's working together. And of course, and it's and it's also embodied. So there's a whole interactive play that is is helpful to not uh, to learn how to not separate. As, and uh, of course, one of the doorways in to to seeing how that works is is uh, is that it uh, yeah how does it feel 
what's the experience? <coughs> and it's exactly why the Buddha is using that, that, that doorway of, of, of dukkha. It gets our attention. <laughs> the, uh, but the... Uh, yeah, and the... the the old, very ancient Indian models of, of the, uh, say, of anatomy, they didn't, in, or you know, say even in current Thailand, you know, you know, where is your, you know, where, where's your mind? And, and it'll be here, this is my mind. And <coughs> similarly with, with uh, um, say like in, in India, more or less. I mean, there was a, I think in the commentarial literature, sort of like, the, you know, what's up here is, I mean, that's, that's where all your snot's stored. Sudimaga is currently the only function of the brain is to produce mucus. <laughs> the straight mind, it's a, it's a very it's succinct, and that's a very useful mantra for me to carry yeah, out of this yeah, talk, yeah. the straight mind. Yes. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for that. Uh, that idiom really has, stood out to me when I was reading that mm-hmm. today. There's very little direction in this culture about how the, the basic feeling of well-being in the head and in the heart, and uh, so I usually try to teach the idea of cool, cool head, a sense of coolness in the head and a warmth in the heart. And these are, these two things are not one at a time, but they're they're going at the same time. Your head is cool, your heart is warm. It's very easy to get uh, what the words like detachment and everything can easily, and practice it, even in some Vipassana practices and all this kind of stuff, can make you kind of aloof and detached, but you end up being uncomfortably cold as well. Like the part of you that should be warm is now cold. And then the opposite is <clears throat> is an, the encouragement for emotional intent to be, become a passionate you know, participant. And that makes your head hot. <laughs> so Canadians understand this, that when you sleep, you have this down quilt that comes up to your neck, but not over your head. <laughs> And you keep the window open, this cool breeze coming in. That's a beautiful combination, isn't it? Your head is cool and fresh, but from here down, all warm. (laughs) Cool head, warm heart. Cool head, warm heart. So your Canadian kids that you're educating, are you educating kids? Not these these days, but yes, kids. Uh It's mainly teaching. Yeah, Yeah. just give them that model. Yeah, It's very uncomfortable when you're... There's too much emotion. We were talking about the brain there. Aristotle even had his... He, he couldn't figure out what the brain was for. He thought it was a radiator of heat. 
<laughs> way of getting rid of heat, excess heat, because he must have been he must have worried been. of a lot. You know, like <laughs> his forehead. This is the modern disease: is that your forehead is too hot. His, your processing, your your little radiator is just going all the time, you know, and that's not that the Buddha is. Talk, he always talks about this cool, this, this this sense of coolness, but at the same time, he has this loving kindness. So, if you get those nicely oriented, uh, properly working together, then they, they should work like that. <coughs> so, if you do have this excess heat, you think, okay, that's not what needs to be there. That has to go, but at the same time, this has to be, this is the human necessity to make it a meaningful existence, a worthwhile existence. This has to be warm. Nice. I'll ask a question for somebody who's kind of shy, but it came up a couple of days ago, and that was about um, in the present day in Arahants, and what's your thoughts? on whether arahants or enlightened beings exist today. And the person was kind of, you know, asking who's an arahant and how do you know and things like that. Well, one of the things that they tend not to do is advertise. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what we talked about. That's exactly um, what we talked about. And... Uh, but yeah, it's more around the, you know, the quality. Yeah, I mean, personally... Um, you can look that way. Yeah, no, I mean, personally, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't have any problem believing that there still are hunts. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, the, it's not as if they're, you know, falling out of trees all over the place. And, uh, but, uh, you know, there, 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 yeah, there are still, there are still, it's like at the end of the Buddha's life, when the Buddha said that he was a, you know that you know, whoever follows this eightfold path uh, will experience the fruits of it. They follow it fully; they'll experience the fruits of it. Uh, so that, uh, uh, I don't, that, to me, it's it's not problematic of having faith and confidence in that there there are, are beings, and and you know the the ones that I've met that are are uh, um, considered by many others to have realized awakening. I mean, one of the interesting things, they all have different personalities. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, it isn't as if there's the the, Ar- the Arahant personality. <laughs> the Myers-Briggs. <laughs> but, <laughs> and... Uh, no, it's it's just it's the uh, you know your your you can experience freedom from from greed, hatred, delusion, freedom from dukkha, but your template is still going to be your your kind of underlying personality, so that there's very quiet arhats, there's very um, you know, very. And like Ajahn Chah was very ebullient. And, uh, I wouldn't say he was gregarious, but he was very ebullient and, and uh, very charismatic. Um, say Ajahn Mahabua, uh, very, uh, very gruff, um, 
very, you know, very, uh, um, you know, very forceful. Um, didn't suffer fools, uh, and uh, but also it's like, uh, like um, uh, George Sharp, the head of uh, English Sangha Trust, when he went to Thailand to talk to invite Ajahn Chah to go to England, and because they're uh, uh, the place that they had had originally been established uh, well, by them and then they, the monk who'd had the most contact and continuity was an English monk who was living with Ajahn Mahabua. And uh, so then, and Ajahn Mahabua, he had also visited, I think about two, three, four years before that. And uh, so, but he'd expressed and said, I don't want anything to do with the English monk, and uh, um, but it, it's appropriate to go and ask. And but anyway, he he uh, he talked, went there, and and then uh, uh, George had met Ajahnmahaboy in England, and and found him gruff and and uh, and blunt, and and, uh, and then. Uh, and then he went to to his monastery, and and uh, and, and Ajahnmahabua said a couple of things that were pretty pretty forceful and direct. And George kind of lost it. And, you know, I, you know, you're supposed to be this great monk, but you always, you know, you speak so, uh, you know. It's, and Ajahnmahabua's response was, he just laughed and said, yeah, it's, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my, but my, you know, it comes out of my mouth before, before it's you know, really thought through. And it's, and it's just my temperament and personality. So I don't, there's nothing really behind it. Uh, but it was, you know, it's just, uh, and it, it, there wasn't, it wasn't, Offended or hurt or or embarrassed or you know it's just sort of yeah that's what yeah I mean he got crit I mean Ajahn Mahabua got criticized for by Ajahn Man for you know it's like his approach to practice was just it's, it's like no subtlety you just go and practice like a boxer you go in there and just go slugging away yeah you know that was what kind of approach is that there's no but that's exactly what is. So yeah, they're different temperaments. Or even in the Buddha's time, you know, my favorite one is Anuruddha, who is the the arahant foremost in knowledge of the different realms of existence. Is that Mm -hmm. true? Yeah. Uh, So yeah, yeah, he had knowledge of what he's. yeah, fully awakened arahant, and you know all the, di- no, the complete knowledge of all the different realms of existence. And uh, one day, uh, the Buddha is you know, sitting wherever, and Ananda comes, and and uh, of course they're all cousins as well. 
in the Buddha and in the Anuruddha, they're all cousins. Um, so, so then Ananda is complaining about Anuruddha and saying, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, uh, his, his, the monks that are living with him are really poorly behaved. They're not, they're not behaving properly. They're not trained properly. And, uh, and these problems are coming up in the Sangha. Um, should I think it, you should say something to him to get him on track again so he'd be sorting out the Sangha matters and, and uh, you know doing, and and the Buddha is sort of poof <laughs> when has Anuruddha ever taken interest in in, in, in things like that and it's just like people that are I, it is it's just he's kind of clueless it's always been like that. He, oh, Deva realms, Brahma realms, yeah. ghost realms, yeah, no problem. He's, he's out there with knowledge. But here, not so much. This <laughs> <laughs> is where the lay community is an important support for mm. this audio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be a foil. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's different different uh, temper, temperaments. There's also a, you know people want, especially in Thailand. And maybe in other Buddhist countries, they're always speculating. Like the lay community is always speculating who's an arhat, who's this stage and that stage. And they can tell because he read my mind and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but if you look at the suttas, you, you see, uh, uh, like the Gosingawood Sutta, there's three three monks living together in a very quiet, beautiful park. And there's a guy that keeps the gate keeps people away, it's an ideal situation, and they're very polite with each other. They go off, when they go off to alms round, whenever, whoever comes back first sets out the trays and so forth, and and they, uh, they're just practicing together, and uh, only after a while, they start talking a little bit to each other, and then they, they, they discover that they're all arahants. They had no idea. So it, it's only after they talked, and Etc. That they, so they're they're arahants sitting beside arahants, having no no idea that the other guys are. <laughs> so it isn't uh, yeah. there's no secret handshake or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's if, if an arahant cannot spot another arahant, then uh, the speculation, lay people's speculation, is kind of a waste of time. But it's it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, I think you, I, you can. Well, sorry. Uh, you you can tell when someone's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to elaborate on that. No. <laughs> well, one one example is a story in Vasudhimaga about uh, an old monk who and and this happens too. Like people are mistaken about their own state. He was he thought he was an Arhant 
And he had a young disciple who looked up to him and believed he that the old, old one was an Arahantus. And at some point, the, the young one went away and practiced on his own and actually did become an Arahant and also developed psychic powers. And he saw that the old fellow was deluded and out of compassion he wanted to help him. And he went back to see him. And he used his psychic power to, whilst they were conversing, he used his psychic power to conjure up a raging bull elephant that came charging at them. Like they, you know, limit the image of that. And the old guy got frightened and, you know, reacted. And says, ah, you are displaying fear, venerable sir, but fear does not arise in the mind stream of an arhat. So any, you know, any defiled state of, of uh, greed or uh, sensual desire or anger is, uh, you know, a sign that a person is not an arhat. Well, you have to be, you know, have to interpret their behavior too, because as when Paul was talking about Ajahn Mahabua, being gruff, you know, he could use sometimes, particularly in Thailand, some of the the Ajans will use like a fierce persona to encourage their students, right? And they're not genuinely angry. Only in Thailand, not here. <laughs> <laughs> no, not only in Thailand, but. <laughs> I would go on to say if somebody comes and tells you they're an arhat, they're probably not. Yeah. 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 No, this is, I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, there are some monks practicing in some remote place in, in uh, caves or cooties in the hills, and they were like far apart from each other. And they they made a, a agreement. They would they took a whistle that you know, if someone's bit by a snake or something like that and needs help, blow the whistle. And one night they hear the whistle blown, and the other monks scramble up to, to the, the one who blew the whistle to, and he's sitting there and. and puts his hands and says, nothing's wrong, I just thought I would assemble everyone to tell you that last night I attained to Arahantship. And they go back to their places and then uh, a couple of days later he blows the whistle again and this time they go up to his cave but they don't scramble quite as quickly. <laughs> When they get up there, he says, I just wanted to tell you all I was mistaken. (laughs) 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 It is a very deep honor for us to have the Ajans and senior monks of the Ajahn Chah tradition, Sangha, assembled at Arrow River. We're very grateful for your coming. Indeed, indeed. Yes, well, let's see. That's one of the great things of, say, Sangha, and it's it's mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I misspoke. I said Ajans, and I really meant abbots. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh. Is also, also acceptable. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 Bit, bit broader, it's good. 
actually more inclusive. There's a couple here who aren't actually technically avids. Yeah, me, I'm not an avid. <laughs> but I believe you were a co-abbot, and does that mean it was a co-abitation? On that note, you're not yeah. the first one to come up with that. <laughs> I thought if I thought of it for sure, somebody else would <laughs> like it's winding down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Good to see you all. You too.